0: Welcome to Gospel Truth with Andrew Womack, a teaching ministry that focuses on God's unconditional love and grace. It's like he was just putting the pieces together for me in such a way that just was simple but powerful.
1: And I was like, yeah, this is, this is God's truth right here.
0: It wasn't always what I, what I wanted to hear,
1: but I knew it was the truth, and I always wanted the truth. And now, here's Andrew. Welcome to our Thursday's broadcast of the Gospel Truth. Today, I'm going to begin a teaching that I've entitled Sharper Than a Two-Edged Sword. And this is going to be a little different teaching for me because uh, what I'm doing is basically going to summarize uh, 16 of the major things that God has spoken to me that has been used to change my life. And then as I've shared these with other people, I've seen a lot of people set free. But many years ago in the UK, my uh, staff over there began to take... Some of my teachings, like on healing or, uh, you know, you've already got it, spirit, soul, and body, you know, self-centeredness, and just 16 of my major teachings. And they took and put into little pamphlets, a trifold pamphlet, and they would give those uh, things out. When people wrote in with a question, they would send in, they would send out these uh, pamphlets. And it was so popular, people started requesting them that they couldn't keep them on the shelf. And what they did was combine them all into a book and entitle it Sharper Than a Two-Edged Sword. And so after we saw the success of that and how that this was blessing people, instead of going into depth, they just gave a brief synopsis. And then if people wanted more, they could go get the detail of it. Well, we uh, took this and edited it ourselves, And we've got this book entitled Sharper Than a Two-Edged Sword, which there are 16 chapters And one chapter summarizes an entire uh, subject, an entire teaching. And then if people want it, they can go into more detail. We also have this in Spanish. Right here is the Spanish version. I won't butcher it by trying to pronounce it. And then we have this study guide. And this study guide, we make these so that people can either study this. It's good sometimes for you just to study it more in depth yourself. But it is specifically designed to enable you to teach other people. And you can print out the questions, then you look up scriptures, and it's a great discipleship tool. And many people use this for a Bible study, and they go through these 16 different topics, and then depending on which one that seems to hit a nerve or meet a need in the people that are attending the study, they will get the study guide on that one and then go through the entire teaching and go into depth on it. So this is just a great way TO INTRODUCE ANYONE TO THE MINISTRY AND GIVE THEM AN OVERVIEW OF SOME OF THE MAJOR THINGS THAT GOD HAS SPOKEN TO ME. SO I'D SAY THIS, THAT IF YOU'RE ONLY GOING TO GET ONE THING THAT WE'VE EVER OFFERED, THIS MIGHT BE A GREAT INTRODUCTION, IS TO GET JUST THIS TEACHING ON SHARPER THAN A TWO-EDGED SWORD. SO THE VERY FIRST THING THAT I TEACH IN THIS uh, TEACHING IS TALKING ABOUT WHAT IS TRUE CHRISTIANITY. AND I TELL YOU, THIS IS REALLY AN IMPORTANT SUBJECT TODAY BECAUSE... Christianity has been watered down to the point that I think that there are, I don't know the numbers, but I'm sure there are millions, millions of people in the United States and overseas who claim to be Christians, and yet they don't possess a real relationship with the Lord. Now, that may come as a shock to some people. But, you know, here's just, here's just some things that make this obvious to me. In the United States alone, I think that there are over 60-something percent of the U.S. population that claims to be born again. That has become a common, popular terminology, and there's many people that claim the name, but yet if you look at our uh, elections and the way things are going, people do not vote in a way that reflects a Christian attitude. They vote for things that are completely ungodly. I was just talking to a woman yesterday who was at our uh, Bible school, and she was talking about her family thinks that she's lost her mind because she is uh, standing for what the Word of God says, and she has just, you know, moved away from her ethnic background the uh, way that it's always been done all of these years. And there are so many people who claim to be Christians, and yet they let their environment, their circumstance, what people say about them, whether or not the government's going to promise them to give them more money or whatever, and they let things like that influence them. They do not reflect Christianity in their life. And look at this passage of Scripture right here, Matthew chapter 7. This was Jesus speaking. And Jesus said, this is the one who is the author of our salvation. He's the one that's going to make a decision on who is accepted and who's rejected. And Jesus said, Matthew chapter seven, verse 21, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of the father, which is in heaven. And then he goes on and he gives this parable about a man, you know, that built his house upon the sand and another one that built his house upon the rock. And when the storms come, the one that just took the easy route out and uh, they had a house, it may have looked good, but the foundation was completely wrong. That house got totally swept away and destroyed. And the point that he's making is there are some people who are just going through the motions and they may make a profession of their faith, but there isn't an absolute um, encounter with the Lord where their life has really changed. And so I believe that today we need to be proclaiming that true salvation isn't just adopting or acknowledging, recognizing some of the Christian truths. Like there are probably people watching this program right now who you would sit there and say, well, I believe in Jesus. I believe that Jesus came. I believe that Jesus died for our sins. And you think that that's what salvation is. But the scripture teaches that it's much more than just an acknowledgement. Over in James chapter 2 and in verse 19, boy, this is one of the most sarcastic statements in the entire Bible. I mean, it says in James 2, 19, it says, Thou believest that there is one God, you do well. The devils also believe and tremble. But in the next verse, verse 20, it says, But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? And if you were to read all of this in its context, it's saying just acknowledging that God exists isn't doing anything that the devil hasn't done. The devil also acknowledges God and even trembles at his name. Probably the devil actually is more committed and more aware of God than vast majority of people who claim to be Christians. But you've got to do what the devil has never done. And that is you have to submit yourself, put faith in God and his son, the Lord Jesus who paid for your sins. And you have to make Jesus your personal savior. Just acknowledging that he exists doesn't do anything that the devil hasn't done. The devil lives his life in rebellion and against God. And again, remember this verse that I started with, Matthew chapter seven, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he, he that doeth the will of the Father, which is in heaven. It's got to be more than just an acknowledgement. You've got to make a commitment of your life to the Lord. Here's what it says in Romans chapter 10, verse nine. It says that if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And then verse 13 says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you take it in context, this is talking about calling upon the Lord in faith, putting your trust in Him, relying upon God. It's more than just mouthing words. You know, I actually was in a service one time, it was an outdoor service, and we had a person singing, and then people were walking through the crowd and witnessing to the people who came to listen to the music. And one of them right behind me was talking to a woman and quoted Romans chapter 10, verse 9, and said, well, pray this prayer with me. And so he led uh, this woman in a prayer, and he says, I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And the woman just stopped, and she says, well, I don't believe that. And he says, well, it doesn't matter if you believe it. Just repeat the words and you'll be saved. <laughs> and I had to turn around and stop and say, hey, this isn't true. You do have to believe it. And you have to believe it according to those verses in John uh, James chapter 2. You have to believe it to the point that it causes your actions to change. Now, I'm not talking about that you have to live a perfect life because none of us do that. God is merciful and gracious. And even though we make a commitment to Jesus to be our Lord, this is not you saying that I'll never make another mistake. I'll never sin. I'll from now on do everything perfectly because you can't do that. But you do have to be willing to make Jesus your Lord. Not just acknowledge that he exists, but for him to become your Lord, for you to submit yourself to him, for you to yield to him. Now, it's a process. And when you begin this process, you yield to the Lord as much as you know. And as you go on, God will speak to you. But I'm saying a person who is sitting there saying, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah, Jesus is my Lord. And yet you just live a life of total rebellion against God. I don't believe that that is true salvation. I think it's possible that a person could be trapped in a sin and because of the weakness of their flesh struggle with some issue like alcoholism or drug addiction or or pornography or something like that, and you could still be a Christian. But if you are a true Christian, then you are miserable because you have made a commitment to the Lord, and this is contrary to your whole life, your whole desire and commitment, and you would be miserable, you would be condemned. A person that can just sit there and say, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, and then live their life completely contrary to God and have no conviction and not have any desire to change, not being not trying to be set free from that thing. I doubt seriously if you have truly been born again. And again, we have just cheapened salvation. You know, one of the great uh, evangelistic leaders of the 1800s gave a prophecy. I don't know if they recognized it was a prophecy, but they said they see a time coming when Christianity is going to be reduced to where it's just an acknowledgement of some facts and there will be quote unquote repentance without any change. There will be commitment without any true heartfelt relationship with God. And what they were doing, they saw a time coming where the gospel message has just been cheapened. And don't misunderstand what I'm saying, man, I preach the grace of God. I do not believe that we have to live holy in order to earn our salvation. And man, I stand by that. You know, the Lord spoke to the thief on the cross and he said, today you will be with me in paradise. And all he did was say, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Instead of ridiculing Jesus and mocking him the way the other thief did, he recognized that Jesus was the Christ and he just asked for mercy from God. And the Lord said, today you will be with me in paradise. This man didn't have time to be water baptized. He didn't have time to change his life. He didn't have time to start reading the Bible and praying and going to church and paying his tithes. He didn't do any of the so-called works that many times people will say you have to do in order to be saved. He just called out to the Lord and boom, like that, he got saved. It's that simple. It's not based on our holiness or our goodness. And so I agree with that and I stand by that. But at the same time, a person who says, Oh, I've called out to the Lord and I've received salvation, and yet you have no desire for God, you have no love for God, you aren't seeking God, and you are living a life of rebellion to every standard that God puts down, and you have no conviction about it, I just don't believe that your heart has ever been changed. See, true Christianity is not just an acknowledgement of a certain creed, a certain doctrine. This is what all of the other religions of the world, it's all about. They have their set of doctrines, they have their belief about God, and all of these kind of things, and they will tell you their concept of God, but then, You have to basically acknowledge their precepts, their teachings, and then you follow it. And based on how well you fulfill all of these things, God weighs your good versus your bad. And if your good outweighs your bad, well, then you're in. And there's a lot of people that call themselves Christians that actually believe that. They may not use the Eastern religion, the Muslim, the Buddhist Uh, standards, but they have their own Christian standards. And if they will go to church and pay their tithe and live holy and do X number of things, then they believe that if their life was more good than it was bad, that God will accept them. But that is not what the Word of God teaches. The very reason that the Old Testament law was given was to amplify our sin, to magnify our sin, and to make sin come alive SO THAT WE WOULD RECOGNIZE, LIKE IT SAYS IN ROMANS three twenty-three, ALL HAVE SINNED AND COME SHORT OF THE GLORY OF GOD. EVERYBODY HAS. NOBODY IS GOOD ENOUGH. NOBODY IS EVER GONNA STAND BEFORE GOD AND BE ACCEPTED BECAUSE OF YOUR GOODNESS. BECAUSE IT SAYS IN JAMES two ten, IF YOU KEEP THE WHOLE LAW AND YET OFFEND IN ONE POINT, YOU BECOME GUILTY OF ALL. You know, I've lived a relative holy life compared to most people. I've never said a word of profanity in all of my 66 years. I've never taken a drink of liquor. I've never smoked a cigarette. But who wants to be the best sinner that ever went to hell? I have sinned, and therefore, I am guilty of all. I'm guilty of homosexuality, lying, stealing, murder. Even though I've not done those physical things, it's like the Lord says it's like a huge glass or something. And if you had this glass in front of you and me, you could shoot a little BB through it and make a little pinhole, or you could run a truck through it and make a huge hole. It doesn't matter if the thing is broken, the entire thing has to be replaced. God's standard isn't 10,000 different things. It's one standard made up of 10,000 different things. And if you have broken one of the least standards, you stand guilty before God. And so true Christianity differs from all other religions on the planet in the sense that they will say, yes, there's a God. They will say, yes, we've sinned. Yes, there is a future punishment awaiting if we don't uh, receive forgiveness. But then where Christianity differs from every other religion, every other religion puts the burden of salvation on your back. You've got to earn it by going to church in the Christian realm. You got to go to church and pay your tithes and live a moral life and do this and this and this. And if your good outweighs your bad, well, then God will accept you. But true Christianity says, no, you're all guilty. All of sin comes short of the glory of God. Romans six twenty three says the wages of sin is death. There is a payment for sin. AND IT DOESN'T MATTER IF YOU COMMIT BIG SINS OR LITTLE sin. ALL HAVE SINNED. YOU BECOME GUILTY OF ALL. AND IF YOU HAVE SINNED, THE WAGE OF SIN IS DEATH. IT IS PUNISHMENT. IT IS SEPARATION FROM GOD. BUT IT GOES ON TO SAY IN ROMANS six twenty three, BUT THE GIFT OF GOD IS ETERNAL LIFE. AGAIN, EVERY OTHER RELIGION ON THE PLANET MAKES YOU DO CERTAIN THINGS TO TRY AND EARN AND BE WORTHY FOR GOD TO ACCEPT YOU. But true Christianity differs from every other religion in this sense, and that is that God knew we couldn't save ourselves, so God himself became a man. Jesus became our Savior. He took our place. He hung on the cross. He was punished for your sin and my sin. And true Christianity is an acceptance and a commitment to Jesus as your Savior, not to you being your Savior, not to you trying to earn relationship with God, but it's just you throwing yourself on the mercy of God as that thief on the cross did and say, be merciful unto me, a sinner. Remember me when you come into your kingdom, have mercy on me. And if you call out to Jesus and believe that he has already paid for your sins, that he died and he suffered the judgment that you should suffer, and that I should suffer. If you believe that and truly put faith in him and say, Father, I believe that your son, the Lord Jesus, paid for my sins and I receive that salvation as a gift. As it says, Romans six twenty three, the gift of God is eternal life. It's not a payment. It's not something you earn. It's something you ask and believe and receive as a gift. You know, if you were to take people from all of the major religions of the world along with a true Christian, and if they were to all die and then stand before God, and if God came to them and he says, why should I accept you into heaven? Well, you would have the Buddhists sit here and say, well, I shaved my head and I put on a saffron robe and I begged and I took this oath of poverty. And you would have the Muslims sit here and say, well, I did all of these things. I did a jihad and I killed the infidel. And you would have different people name everything that they've done. But if a true Christian was standing there and God came to them and says, what makes you worthy? They wouldn't point to anything that they've done. They wouldn't point to their church attendance or their Bible study or their prayer. Instead, they would point to Jesus and they said, I've got a Savior. Christianity is the own religion on the face of the earth with a Savior, a person who bought salvation for us, who paid the debt that we couldn't pay. And true Christianity, I have to emphasize that there is false Christianity that basically is doing the same thing as the other religions of the world, saying it's based on your goodness. If you'll live holy enough, if you'll just... Come to church. If you'll do these things, God will accept you. That's not true Christianity. True Christianity isn't what you do for God, but it's what God did for you through Jesus. And you have to put faith in Jesus. You will also hear many people today saying, well, there's many paths unto God. That's not true. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father, but by me. I've heard many people say, well, I believe in Jesus. He was a great example. He was all of these things. But, you know, I believe that the Buddhists are also getting in and etc. cetera in all of these different religions. That's not true. Je- and you can't say that Jesus was a great man and a great example. Either he was who he said he was. You know, the woman at the well, she said, I know that when the Messiah comes, he'll tell us all things. And uh, he'll lead us into this truth. And Jesus said, I am he. Jesus said, I am the Messiah. I am the son of God. I am the way, the truth and the life. No man comes unto the father, but by me. There is no other way. Either Jesus is who he said he was and the only way to God, or he was deceived or a deceiver. But you can't have it both ways. He is either who he said he was and he is the only way you have to trust him and not what you do for him, but you have to trust what he did for you. Or you have to ride him off as being a crook, a charlatan, a deceiver, or a person who was deceived himself. It all comes down to your putting faith in a savior. And if it's true Bible faith, I go back to those verses that I used at the first of the program. James chapter 2, verses 19 and 20. You got to do what the devil has never done. You've got to do more than just acknowledge that God exists and that Jesus was the son of God. You have to commit your life unto him. You have to confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. That means you have to make a commitment of your life and turn your life over to him. Again, this isn't really difficult, but it is a heartfelt commitment. I was eight years old when I did that, and my life changed. The very next day, my friends could tell I was different, and I told them I got saved, and I remember them making fun of me. In the the third grade, at eight years old, there was a change in me, and it was a noticeable change. The Bible says that when you get born again, you change. You pass from death unto life. I know that there's people watching this program. Maybe you've watched my television program many times, and you acknowledge the existence of God. You acknowledge some of these things. You might even desire some of the results that I've talked about. But have you ever really made a commitment of your life? Have you ever made Jesus your Lord? If you were to stand before God, would you point to what you have been doing for God or would you point to your Savior as the only reason for your acceptance into heaven? That's a question that you need to answer. You know, I'd like to encourage you, if you haven't made that kind of a commitment, call the number that you see on your screen. We have people that would be glad to share with you and pray with you, and you could become born again today. Let me also mention that I have this teaching, Sharper Than a Two-Edged Sword. I just covered basically the first chapter in this book today. I would encourage you to get it. Listen to our announcer. He's going to give you information about how you can get all of these materials that will cover what we've talked about today, And I promise you, this would be a blessing to you. So listen, please respond, and then join me again tomorrow as we continue the gospel truth. Andrew's teaching titled Sharper
0: Than a Two-Edged Sword is available in either a CD or DVD album as seen on TV. This unique series contains abbreviated versions of 16 of Andrew's most powerful messages. Each is condensed into a single teaching making this the most comprehensive collection of Andrew's foundational, life-changing messages. This teaching is also available in book form in either English or Spanish. As a companion to any of these products, you can also get the Sharper-Than-A-Two-Edged Sword workbook. This workbook is designed for you to use alongside the book, CD, or DVD album. It contains questions, answers, and a list of additional resources for each of the condensed teachings. Each of these valuable resources are available for a gift of any amount. For more in-depth study on today's topic, True Christianity, you can get Andrew's entire series titled The New You and the Holy Spirit. This series is available on CD, DVD, in a book, and also as a study guide. Contact us today to get any of these valuable resources. Each of these valuable resources are available for a gift of any amount. Go to awmi.net to see all the ways you can get this teaching. Or you can call our helpline at 719-635-1111. Our helpline is open 24 hours a day, Monday through Friday, and from 7.30 a.m. to 6 p.m. Saturday and Sunday.
1: You say in the name of Jesus, I'm not going by what I see. I go by what the Word of God says. There's more than just this physical realm. There's also a spiritual realm. I don't care what this looks like, I know what God's Word says. I was told that I would always have severe asthma and food allergies. I was born missing
0: the left side of my heart with a very small chance of living. The doctors indicated that I had a permanent brain injury and that I would never function in mainstream society again. I'm Tim McDermott my brother and I were told that we would never recover from autism. From a young age, I had several diagnoses, including Asperger's syndrome, disexecutive Syndrome and Communication Disorders. My brother James was diagnosed with autism before he turned three. For years, it seemed like we would never be normal. But then my parents stumbled across the healing journey of Hannah Terides. A few weeks later, we went to Andrew's free Grace and Faith Conference, where we were healed of autism. Today, ten years later, I am still walking in my complete healing and I am not alone. I haven't needed my inhaler in years, and now I eat whatever I want.
1: My heart grew back its missing piece, and the doctors cannot explain it. Today,
0: I'm completely healed, and I get to teach God's truth about healing. Because people like you partnered with Andrea and Ministries, we have all been given our lives back. We cannot thank you enough for your generosity, but there are still millions of lives out there looking for the same truth that set us free. WILL YOU HELP US BRING THIS MESSAGE TO THEM? THE WORD NEEDS TO GET OUT TO CHANGE PEOPLE'S LIVES. PLEASE CONSIDER A PARTNERSHIP.
1: PLEASE PARTNER WITH THIS MINISTRY, IT'S AMAZING. PLEASE CONSIDER BEING A
0: PARTNER WITH THIS MINISTRY.
1: YOU KNOW, YOU MAY NOT KNOW THESE PEOPLE, BUT I KNOW EVERY ONE OF THESE PEOPLE THAT YOU JUST SAW THEM GIVE A TESTIMONY. AND I TELL YOU, JESUS CHANGED THEIR LIFE BECAUSE OF OUR PARTNERS. IF YOU'VE NOT YET JOINED WITH US AND BECOME A PARTNER, I ASK YOU TO PRAY ABOUT IT AND JOIN WITH US TODAY. Meet the Joneses. They made a commitment to get up early every morning and watch The Gospel Truth with Andrew Womack on TV. Only problem is, as much as they love Andrew, mornings do not love the Joneses. They wish there was some way they could simply watch Andrew on TV whenever they wanted. With Roku plugged to your TV, you can watch Andrew on demand whenever you want. You know, I've had a desire to have a 24-7 phone center where we could take calls all of the time. Right now, we're operating uh, five days a week, 24 hours a day, but we are starting to open on Saturday and Sunday from 7.30 in the morning until 6 p.m. just so that we can minister to you better. So we've expanded these hours. I encourage you to check it out at 719-635-1111.